0: Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you today. It's a privilege. Um, I actually uh, know Pastor Adam's dad. He's one of my life group leaders at Gateway. And we went out to Tim Horton's for coffee, and he's like, hey, you want to fill the pulpit for my son? I was like, sure. It's been a while, but uh, it's, uh, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be here. My wife and I actually hail from this area. I was raised in Butler, and uh, she was raised here in Auburn. My mom um, and her side of the family are all from uh, the Auburn area. She was an Allie. Uh, I've already ran into some people that knew her. Um, and then Leah's mom was a Mortov and uh, lived here in Auburn for many years. It's been about 20 years for us, and things have changed considerably. Uh, um, yeah, uh, there was a little bit of history lesson. We mentioned places like Mr. Wiggs and Big Wheel, and we we just proud the fact that the Dairy Queen is still standing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to good to be here, and I'm just privileged to talk to you about small groups or life groups. In the in the scripture that was read today, we we see that the, the church is listening to the apostles teaching and they're getting together in their, in their homes and they're breaking bread together. Um, we know that the church started with about 120 people. And within a short period of time, about 25 years, they were to 100,000 people. So that was half the size of Jerusalem. And then by this time, also Caesar would have been a believer and many believe that its roots are in small groups, in those house churches. So the other thing is, uh, we'll, we'll go to Acts 5.42. And in every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So when we see that, we see that they met in the temple courts, so it's plural, They didn't meet in the temple, that was only for the priests, and they also met in their homes, house to house, or in the old days, they might have called them home churches or house churches. And so, we also know that there was probably 5,000 plus, at one point, uh, they were probably in both outer courts, filling up the outer courts. So, we see two things here. We see large group worship and small group fellowship. I'll say that again, large group worship and small group fellowship. So before I go on, let me define what I believe life groups or small groups size-wise should be. 10 to 12 is probably about perfect. 10 to 12 people in a group you can get to know, you can have true intimacy. But I will tell you that 10 can be better than 12 and 8 can be better than 10. Sometimes the smaller the better. Now, I believe the smallest group should probably be around six because once you get below that, then it's just kind of uh we're just going to get together be friends type thing, and you've uh, struggled to really challenge each other. We see that through um, Acts that this was a true biblical model for church growth. In fact, we're seeing even some of the newer churches. Um, I think I was talking with Chad, and we talked about how uh, Francis Chan and his movement now, they're going back to this biblical model uh, to bring people to church. The first 300 years of the church, there was no building. It wasn't until 312 um, did they build their first building um, in uh, Malua, Syria. And we know that that only had two rooms. It had a room for worship, and it had a room for baptism. Those were the two things that were the most important. We're going to teach them, we're going to bring them to Jesus, and then we're going to baptize them. Pretty simple. Now, there are different types of life groups. I'll give you a a list here. Um, First, um, I believe that uh, small groups are biblical. When Jesus, after he got baptized, what's the first thing he did? He picked up 12 people, didn't he? He went into the wilderness, right? Then he picked up twelve people and started his ministry. Twelve men—the first small group. They stayed together. They were um, very close. They prayed together. They did everything together. It was a first small group. Small groups are personal. It's a caring, relaxing, and environment. You can care for each other. You can be relaxed there. You can let your hair down. If you're a church of 100, you can have multiple small groups. My first church, when we walked in, were 19 people. They're all related. Yeah. Uh, But we started small groups. I started a small group with three young adults, And within two years, we had grown to 40. We had more people attending the young adult group that broke up into small groups than that were attending my first church. Small groups work. A normal person can remember 63 names. You know that? Does everybody in here know everybody? You can't really get to know 100 people really well, can you? Especially, I bet there's a few of you in here that would be a little more introverted. You're not going to be out there. Right? That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm an out there type guy. In fact, my wife calls me a social pterodactyl. She <laughs> says, I attack people in social situations. But you have to find, if you're going to grow in your faith, you have to find a group or a place that you can be rooted and have people in your life that um, can live life with you. So when we look at the small groups, um, again, we want to we have a group that is small enough that you'll get to know each other, but big enough that you can hold each other accountable. We'll get a little more into that in a minute. And then also, the other thing that, uh, through this is it also develops church growth. Uh, one of the studies that I read in preparation says that If someone comes into your church and gets to know at least seven people within that year, they're going to stay in your church. So if you have someone that comes in, develop those relationships, those friendships. That also helps build your church. So number three is small groups are flexible. They can meet anywhere, any place, no time limit. So you can meet at the local coffee shop. You can meet in your home. You can, I've even got some, some small groups that meet in a business, and they're, there's, they work together, so they, they get together at lunch. We've got some guys that work at Marathon and Cooper, and they get together and have small group time at work. So it can be anywhere, anytime, any anyplace. Um, we've even got some crazy people that like get together at 6.30 in the morning for coffee. I'm not a morning person, but uh, if that works for you, great. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, you can be really, really flexible. And then a time limit. If you're not using the facility, uh, which is my next point, small groups are economical because you don't need a building. You don't have to heat the building. You don't have to have the lights on. You don't have to have it open. So you can meet in the local cafe or your homes or wherever, and you don't have to worry about the finances of keeping a building open, which is really nice. Now, what do we do when we get in our life groups or our small groups? And the first thing and the most important thing is they study the Word, the Word of God. We know that the Word of God is from Him. Scripture tells us that His Word of God is God-breathed. It is the truth. It is Why we do what we do. The word of God is how and where we put our roots. That is what strengthens us. That's what gives us hope for the future. That is what is encouraging us as we live this life. Because we know the end, right? It doesn't end with the last period in Revelation. We can, even in our bad days, know that this is not the end. By the way... Is the word of God still pertinent for today? Every bit of it, right? Okay, It's not such an old book that we can't use it. And it's applicable for today. So not only do we study it, but we apply it and we live it. It makes us stronger in our faith. They fellowshiped with each other. Now, when I talk about fellowship, it could be anything from breaking bread to going on bike rides, going on trips together, those type of things But a lot of times fellowship had to do with just truly getting to know each other in a personal level. How important is that in today's world? They also um, prayed for each other. When was the last time you were prayed for by somebody? Isn't that powerful to be prayed for? I don't know about you, but um, the last time I was prayed for, it was so comforting. I was telling uh, uh, one of the nice ladies, uh, there she is, (laughs) um, that uh, my mother passed away a couple months ago, and uh, it was really, really hard. And uh, I've had a lot of people praying for me ever since, because I don't think you ever get over that. And uh, those prayers have helped me immensely to be prayed for is something that is very powerful. But here's the other thing. A lot of times in a setting like this, we don't ask for prayer. We don't come forward for prayer when when there's a prayer team available. I don't know why we are that way as humans. But folks, if you have an opportunity to be prayed for, be prayed for. One of the great things about life groups or small groups is you can be prayed for. You can you can be prayed for no matter what you're what you're facing. You can Celebrate in prayer, uh, prayers that are answered. Um, it's a it's a great great thing. They also helped each other um, in practical needs with meals um, and uh, things like that. We saw that in in the scripture that was read. They broke bread together. They had meals together. When when you get together um, and meet practical needs, there are other things that can be, be done, like hospital visitation. You can go see somebody in the hospital. You can go and help somebody babysit for their children if they've, they've got something they need to do. You know what an amazing thing it can be for someone that, uh, especially uh, in our situation, we've had some single mothers that just needed a break, and somebody stepped in and watched their kids. You know what a breath of fresh air that was for them? Or even a young couple that's just trying to make it, and they just need a break. They just need a night out. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. We've had some deaths in our, in our life group. Uh, I had people drive two hours to my mom's funeral just to be there to support us. They also give us gifts, and um, we give people gas cards, especially I've got a lady in our life group, her brother passed away, and we want to help them out because that's an expense. And it's just those little things. It's It doesn't have to be too big. If somebody has a baby or um, if someone's been in the hospital, we also do meals. Meals are big. And we do all this through the life groups. Because with life groups, um, you're not doing it on your own. You don't have that one person. um, Because some churches, and I'm not sure what the story is here, but some churches, you've got that one person that takes care of all the food. And everybody knows who she is. Right? So with life groups and small groups... You can divide that up. So another one, and this one's one of my favorites, they sang together. We did that already today. They sang together in their groups. Now, um, uh, I don't know you guys that well. If if I would have given this talk at Gateway, I would have said that uh, some of you shouldn't sing. I know (laughs) it says to make a joyful noise, uh, but uh, some of you are like prisoners. You're a few bars behind. Um, But... It's, uh, it's 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 good to to sing and one of the great things that we do in our life groups and our small groups is we'll use uh things like YouTube or I worship uh DVDs or Pandora some of those things that have the the lyrics and just to sing some of those worship songs because I don't know about you guys but how awesome is it to come into a church on a Sunday morning and you sing those worship songs and it just lifts your spirit just reminds you of who God is And we're called to sing to him. And then uh, next, and, and this is the last for this list, it brought unbelievers to Jesus. When they were on fire for Jesus, when they were talking about what Jesus did for them, he died on that cross for them and he rose again and he sits at the right hand of the Father, they were preaching the gospel. They were teaching the gospel and people want that. People needed that. They need that just as bad today as they did back then. And when you're in a small group and you learn about that and you, and you really believe that and you're encouraged to talk to others about that in your life group, it's amazing because you get the courage and the strength, and, I, and I'll, I'll mention this again, to share the faith. And we know that the reason the church grew was because these house churches are out telling everybody about what's changed their life. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you a quick history of uh, of what uh, small groups have been in the past. Um, in the 1980s, they were called cell groups. And the thinking was, is they looked at the church body like a human body, and they said, if the cells are healthy, then the body is healthy. Does that make sense? So when when the, hel- when the cells were healthy then they would be able to um, spread out and share what's going on in the church. They would, they would be out in the community doing things, and that was healthy, and, and people saw that. And so the other thing is, is the pastors could, could teach the things that they need taught in, a, in, a, in the big setting again, and then they would take that back to their cell groups, and they would work on that, and they would chew on that, and that would strengthen the church group by group. So it's the idea of of taking, let's say, a, a stick or a rod, right? If we take that rod and we add another one to it that's just as strong and we add another one, can we break that, right? The tie that binds, right? Remember that old hymn? That's what happens is you build on those cores. You build on those cells, and that gives you strength. Then in the 1990s, they became small groups. And the reason I entitled my message small groups is normally when I talk about this, people aren't to the life group stage yet. So a <laughs> uh, Gateway, we call them life groups. I wasn't sure what y'all called it here, and uh, I think that I found out that maybe you called it life groups, but the bulletin had already been printed. So um, that's why I'm saying small groups. So when you have um, the life groups... Um, In the 1990s, uh, it was more of a movement uh, to hopefully bring the church back together because we had a revival in the 70s and a little one in the late 80s, but in the 90s, we kind of wavered a little bit. The church was kind of trying to find itself again, and one of the things they did was they started small groups. In fact, that's where I got my passion for small groups. I had just come back from the Gulf War with the Navy and... um, uh, it kind of really caused some struggles in my life. I had some PTSD and just dealing with some things. And uh, my wife decided to go back to church, and uh, I was kind of stubborn. And I won't go back to church. I was kind of mad at God. In fact, I uh, was real mad at God. And I'd I'd become a believer at seventeen, but when you, when you see uh, and hear some of the atrocities of war, it kind of changes your perspective on things. So my wife started going to this church, and I thought, ah, oh, she'll give up on it. She'll stop going. It'll get old. Nope. She's just as stubborn as I am. I think she went in spite. Anyway, <laughs> it's her mother's fault. Um, No, um... <laughs> But she, I started to see a difference in her. Just like Lee Strobel's wife. She loved me in spite of who I'd become. It was her love for Jesus and her love for me that changed me. She didn't condemn me. She didn't tell me I needed to go to church. She didn't guilt trip me. And so, to make a long story short... After a couple of years being in this church and being a part of a pastor that spoke to me and not at me, um, we joined a small group, and I'd never been a part of a small group. I'd never been a part of a real small group, and that group changed my life. It helped me find my passion for Jesus again. It was also the place where God called me to the ministry. It was because of the small group that I stand before you today. They loved me in spite of my frustrations. They let me work out my salvation. They allowed me to forgive myself and, and learn to forgive others and to reestablish my relationship with God. So that's why I have such a big passion for small groups. Because I don't know where you're at with God. I really don't. Um, and sometimes we, we don't find what we're looking for in the big setting. Some of us need that intimate setting like I did. Now, life groups today, they are just as powerful and just as big and just as... They just thrive when, when you do them. Because people are looking for relationships. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They truly want to know who Jesus is. They truly want to know about the Bible. And it's hard to ask these questions in a bigger setting. It's hard to come up to the pastor after church sometimes and ask those hard questions. It's a little easier to do it in a smaller setting. And because you can see that that person's struggling. My, my son-in-law just became a believer a couple months ago. And I didn't realize until we had him in our small group that he didn't even know how to read his Bible. He had no idea how to look things up in his Bible. He doesn't know the story of Adam and Eve and Jonah. He doesn't know the things that we took for granted. It's so funny because he'll raise my, his hand in group and go, well, what's that mean? We did, we're did. we doing a study on Genesis in my life group. He didn't know what the ark was, y'all. I had to show him on YouTube. Isn't that amazing? Because all of us, how many of us have been raised in church? Right? Most of you have heard the stories, right? We take them for granted. But it was in that small group setting to watch him do the wow moments when he goes, wow, really? It's so amazing. And that's Genesis. I can't wait till we get to the good stuff. (laughs) You know, and, and to watch him find it in the Bible and to watch him seek it. And it's because of small groups it was because in that intimate setting, because I know Jordan would not go up to the pastor after church. He wouldn't have the, the guts to do that. Here's the funniest one. I'll share this with him, because I just think I should. Before I baptized him on Easter, I was reading my notes, and he looked at my notes. He goes, what's that? And I said, well, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. He goes, Jesus was baptized in a river named after me? And I'm like, yep, Jordan, <laughs> named after you. <laughs> but, but again, that's the power of that intimacy. And it's not just because I'm his father-in-law. It's not. It's because where we saw the real change is when he shows up in a life group. Because he doesn't know the rest of them from Adam, but he felt safe enough to ask those questions he feels safe enough to stop the he'll stop the whole conversation he'll raise his hand and wait till I call on him because he's got a question and the funny part is is our life group loves it our life group's like yeah go ahead and answer his question and I'm like why and they're like because we want to know too don't they it's amazing it is just amazing so anyway all right back to it maybe all right (laughs) All right, so there are six personal benefits to small groups. This is, this is in your outline um, if you want to follow along. It's the best place to feel real fellowship, real fellowship. So if you would take the hand of the person next to you right now, right? Okay, now give them a squeeze. All right, how many of you needed that today? <laughs> that's fellowship. That's giving them a squeeze. That's telling them, you know what? It's great. I'm here for you. Right? Is that a great feeling? Real fellowship, real love. That physical touch is so important. That voice on the other line is so important. That conversation that you have, that prayer that you have, that's what's important. That's true fellowship. It also helps God's, apply God's word better because I can ask questions. That goes back to Jordan or yourself. I mean, how many times, even, I don't know how old the oldest person is in this room, but whoever that person is, as you read your Bible, do you still have questions? Do you still have questions when you read your Bible? You bet. Because we're not supposed to know it all. We won't know it all till we get up there. So it's a great place to ask questions, and there's no judgment. There's no judgment because none of us know it all. I bet Pastor Adam would say the same thing. Because as a pastor, you read and you read and you read, and you think you got it, and you've read the same verse I don't know how many times, but then something else reaches out and grabs you. All right. Next, it provides accountability when I need to grow. When I need to grow, people can challenge me. I challenge men to challenge men and women to challenge women. If I need accountability, I can get it from my wife. But, gentlemen, am I going to be more apt to change if my wife asks me to do it? Or am I more apt to change if another Christian man tells me to do it? That other man. Same with you, ladies. You're going to be challenged by another woman, especially another woman or, or another man that is in the faith that you look up to. Gentlemen, if you're not being mentored, be mentored. If you're old enough to be a mentor, mentor someone in this church because we need it. Ladies, same thing. Find somebody that you can connect with because they need it. You need to be doing this together and have accountability because when you get accountability and you can challenge each other, you're going to grow. Because so many times, y'all, we try and do it on our own. We need that accountability. And when I say accountability, I mean love. My number one thing that I ask men when when we're talking is, I ask the young man a lot of times, and he has has to be married here, but how are you loving your wife? It's just, it's just that simple. And it's convicted enough to go, oh, I could do better. <laughs> right? Just simple things like that. All right. Next, it offers support when I'm under stress. When you're having a stressful week, maybe you're having a stru- stressful week in your marriage, maybe you're having a stressful week parenting, maybe you're having a stressful week financially, maybe you're, you're having some health issues, maybe there's some stress at work. We all have stress, right? Anybody in this room not have stress? Oh, I was waiting for a hand to go up. Okay. <laughs> ah! The little boy here. <laughs> I was that way as a little kid, too. Eddie, you need to take things more serious. No, I don't. <clears throat> Stress is a normal part of our lives. And in a life group or a small group, you get that support that you need. In fact, uh, on the way here, um, I got a call that one of the ladies in our church was taking off life support at 2 o'clock this morning. And I talked with her husband on the phone, and you can hear the stress and the anxiety in his voice. I can't even imagine what he's going through. But he is so thankful to have the support. That's what's important. That's why life groups, and it was his life group that gets a hold of me so I can get a hold of him. All right. Uh, Next. Um, It offers a safe place for me to develop my calling and my leadership. I believe there are some in here that are life group leader material, like Chad, (laughs) because he's willing to lead. Him and I are kind of cut from the same cloth. When the spotlight comes on, even though I was a pastor for 10 and a half years, God's kind of removed that from me. I don't want to be the guy up front anymore. I want to watch young guys lead. I want to lead them. I want to encourage them. I want this next generation to be on fire for Jesus. One of my favorite quotes is, get on fire for Jesus and people will come watch you burn. <laughs> so so the, the, the key is here, folks, is when you're in a small group, you see that leadership potential. Your discipleship gets stronger. You become a better disciple. And then as a stronger disciple, then you become a leader and then you can lead the next generation and so on. And so in a small group, it's hard in this in this setting because some of you are leaders, but you're kind of like me and Chad, you kind of set back for a little bit. But in a group of five to 10 people, you're amazing. <laughs> all right. So start praying about that. All right. And I'm praying that for your church, that there are leaders sitting in here right now that can do this. And then Last but not least, it accommodates a natural, relaxed place for me to share my faith. In other words, practice evangelism. How many in this room have a testimony? Every one of you, right? Now, I know there's somebody in this room going, well, you know, mine isn't that great. I became a believer at five years old at my grandma's bedside, and it's not that important. It's not as as big as some. And my, my, my testimony is pretty crazy, but mine's not the norm. It's not. Let me tell you, that testimony that you have is just as important as mine. It's just as big as mine. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you're a Christ follower. That's all that matters. Because you're going to have the interactions with people that I won't have interactions with you're going to have those opportunities that I wouldn't have. It's going to be based on age, work, time, whatever. All right? So I want to challenge you that if you get into the small group, that it just helps you to be a better evangelist. You can practice. The person across the room, you're like, you know, I've never really shared my testimony. Let me share my testimony. And you get the response from your small group and go, yeah, that was awesome. That's great. And then you can learn little tricks that can help you to, to share your testimony a, a little better, or maybe you're really good at it and they're just going to send you out and you're the next Billy Graham and you don't know it. So, are small groups important? Are they biblical? Can this church have a powerful small group ministry? A big yes. And it just starts with a couple groups. It doesn't have to be I'm, I, when I was thinking, I was kind of trying to do the math in here. I think you could have at least five, at least five, strong groups. Now, here's the thing: you can have any kind of group. You can have a group that's multi-generational. You can have a young adult group. You can have a single mother's group. You can have a parenting group. You can. I. I in fact, we just started a new one, a gateway. It's a snowbird group. So, if anybody goes to Florida guess what? You're not out of it. You got (laughs) to... I actually have people from the Snowbird group that Skype into their life group. That's how important it is. So you can sit by the pool and still be in life group. Okay? In fact, our children have life groups. We have children and teen life groups. So, um, and I was just also going to say, If you guys need any direction, if you need anything at all, and if I can help in any way, I want to be a resource for you. I believe in churches like yours. It's an honor to be here. I hope that today was encouraging. I hope that we get to see some small group or life group growth here, and I'm excited for your future. And you have an amazing pastor. Very blessed to have him. Good man. His dad is, is awesome, and, and I love uh, allowing him to pour into me. So, all right. Well, let me uh, pray. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to be here to, to just uh, talk about how important um, and how biblical life groups are and how small groups are and what an impact uh, they can make and what they've made uh, on the world and on the church of today. Father, I pray a special blessing and anointing on this church. I pray, Father, that you allow your Holy Spirit to flow in this place. And, Father, I pray you raise up leaders for life groups. I pray that uh, you will just um, build a life group ministry here that is amazing. And, Lord, um, we will give you and you alone the glory because you're the only one that deserves it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.